The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 145, brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, you got the juice today? I would do. I was oh, Frank Reich. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yes. What did Brandon Brooks say? What am I gonna do? Be sad about this? No. No, it's, it's, it's a great day to be alive. Jay Ajayi is back. Which, yeah. we love the Jai in this podcast. We're very glad that he's here. Yeah, un- unfortunately, it's for reasons that are upsetting because the Eagles, despite having a bye week, my goodness, no Alshon Jeffrey again at practice today on Friday. No Nigel Bradham. Jordan Howard was there, but he's not cleared for contact. Dealing with a shoulder injury. I think Doug Peterson said it was just a stinger. So I'm working to confirm that his arm is, in fact, still attached to his body. Right. Uh, Ben, I think the main takeaway from this, beyond the obvious, is that it's a gift that the Eagles are at home for this game. Because pre-snap communication for Wentz, while dealing with a stitched-together wide receiver core and possibly no Jordan Howard... I mean, so you've got Miles Sanders at running back, who for as much as we praised him for pass pro after it being feared that he'd be a liability in that aspect, Sanders is still a rookie. So before the snap, Wentz is going to have to be a very busy man. So not having enemy crowd noise interfere with that is something of which I cannot understate. It's important. Uh, Wentz, for his part, while while we're down this path, has been very good at home, by the way. Since 2017, he's 12-4, and 35 touchdowns, only six interceptions, and a 106.4 quarterback rating while completing 66.7% of his passes. So that's a positive. Conversely, and we can talk more about this later because I want to touch back on Ajayi, but man... I had this concern going into that Cowboys game, and this is starting to look like a game where Wentz may feel the need to press a little bit, and things could go south very quickly if that's the case. But before we really dig into that, Ben, uh, your takeaways from the return of Jay Ajayi and really just what we're looking at from an injury standpoint for the Eagles right now. Right. So I, th- I think a couple of things, and I-, I touched on this a little bit on Twitter, and then I'll, I'll you know continue to build on it. The Eagles are signing Jay Ajayi, who is available to be signed not because he is bad at football, but because he is injury prone. Even coming out of Boise State in 20... 
13. J. Johnny wow. NFL draft. <laughs> 2015. So those are close. You could have just said when he came out in the draft. He didn't need to I always, I always like to try to guess, and I always get it wrong. And anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, even when he came out, he fell into the fifth round in large part because of long-term knee concerns. Miami trades him after two seasons of, of failing to stay healthy the whole season to Philadelphia at a discount, fourth-round pick. Why? Because there's long-term knee concerns. He tears his ACL last year, and the Eagles don't even bring him back. They trade for Jordan Howard, who's not as talented of a player when they're both healthy hmm. the reason ajay is available is because he's injury prone you could also say that the reason part of the reason why deshaun jackson was able to be had for a pick swap of a seventh and a sixth was because he hasn't played a full 16 game season in the last five years right you could also say i don't know there's not like the, a lot of the other i mean jordan matthews was a guy who was dealing with a knee injury as well, right, well like that's the thing time. is like when there is no way to construct a roster without incurring some injury prone risk there aren't enough players at positions who have just been healthy for their entire careers. There's like the world is not Frank Gore's. It just simply isn't. And yeah. then, you know, this is why we we Frank Gore is an aberration. So the Eagles bring in JJ, who the reason he's available is because he's injury prone. So if you're excited about this now, then you were probably excited about Deshaun Jackson at the yeah. time. And then, you know, the, the Eagles lose Deshaun Jackson. I was like, oh, where's the contingency plan? It's hard. It's hard to build a contingency <laughs> plan out for injuries at for your starters you know what i mean that's why you have backups or backups because they're not as good as starters and you might you know you might flip that on its head and say what was the contingency plan for jordan howard a player who also had uh concerns about his shoulder given his running style these injury concerns have not just like showed up for jordan howard he's had shoulder pain before uh, he had it last year with the bears that's why i'm worried about it but yeah you might you might say the contingency plan for howard was Signing JJ off the street because you didn't think anybody was going to sign him because of the injury issues. So that's what the contingency plan is, is getting a discounted free agent because of injury issues. So the point here being... I mean, they drafted a running back in the second round too, so I think that's part of it Well, absolutely, yeah. right? And, and I yeah. think that it's not like Howard was meant to be, you know, the full bell cow and, and Sanders was the backup. It was always supposed to be a timeshare with those guys. But the point mm. here being that, like, part of your contingency plan is adding players who are on the market. It's impossible to get good players who've been in the league for a while without incurring any injury risk it it's a it's a fantasy no team in the league pulls it off okay the Eagles have added Jay Ajayi Ajayi is uh, uh to me even before we knew the Darren Sproles news before we knew the Jordan Howard uh, potential playing against the Patriots the fact that they were bringing Ajayi in he's a uh he's a, a, a replacement for Howard he fills Howard's role this is a six foot 220 pound player He's Howard's, he's a physical between-the-tackles runner. One cut and go. He's a Jai's, a Jai's type and Howard's type are quite similar in terms of how they play. Uh, so he will fill that role. He's not like, oh, we lost Sproles, let's bring in a Jai. A Jai and Sproles are very different players, you know what I mean? Huh. If they really want to build out the Sproles role, then it's Boston Scott. But I don't think they need to because of the receiving work they've gotten out of Miles Sanders. The next question that is, has to be asked is, is a Jai going to be playing against the Patriots? To which I say, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. firstly no howard and no sanders it's all hands on deck d'angelo henderson is, is, is a fun little practice squad guy but i really don't think he's going to be better than a jai even if a jai is right off the street secondly if there was not a plan in place to get a jai on the field they would not have brought him in on wednesday 
He's been brought in this upcoming Monday. Yeah, they brought him in to play him now because he can play now. They they didn't look at other running backs because they can't. Right. They don't know it. Ajayi knows it. People have said like, oh, well, like the Cardinals looked at Ajayi and the Lions looked at Ajayi and they didn't bring him on. Well, it's a little bit different than it is for Philadelphia, who has already used Ajayi under Doug Peterson before. This coaching staff in this mm. front office knows him, whereas the Lions and the Cardinals simply do not. Uh, so the Eagles expect to be able to get him integrated immediately and be able to get production out of him in week one it's gonna be limited stuff but a giant knows how to run outside zone i promise i promise you that just because he's been watching football for the past nine weeks doesn't mean he forgot how to run inside zone outside zone whatever yeah. so i think a is going to contribute i think that obviously sanders is going to get more and more touches and he rightfully should but we should expect the giant to be a part of the game plan against new england and probably increasingly become a part of the game plan for as long as jordan howard is sidelined um it's still bad news because the Eagles are going to need to run the football extremely well against the Patriots to put up points. Jordan Howard was the best running back that they had in terms of actual running the football. And he's been lost now. Ajayi, we don't know what he is. Uh, but if he's like back to his 2017 peak immediately, sure. Great news. I mean, this is a huge boon. I just don't think he will be. So this is a, as a loss for the Eagles. So also on the injury front, in case I didn't clarify it up top, uh, Darren Sproles has been officially moved to IR. Nigel Bradham also missed practice. If you look at the Patriots, a couple uh, a couple meaningful names here, I guess. On Thursday, John Simon was added to the injury report, the, uh, the edge player for them. He's dealing with an elbow. And then Danny Shelton, the defensive tackle, he's dealing with an ankle. Uh, I would anticipate most of them to play. I really don't see anybody other than maybe safety net Nate Ebner, who's a special teams guy. I was shocked when I learned Nate Ebner was not a fullback. I mean, it's a fullback they might name. make him into, I don't know. It's a fullback name. You can't convince me otherwise. Nate Ebner? Yeah. He's from Minnesota. Anyway. They're going to slap an 82 on him and uh, and put him in at fullback like the other guy that apparently I can't find on the roster anyway. Anyway, that's a callback to... Kiss it so like 144, where we previewed the Eagles defense against the Patriots offense. Today, we're going to be flipping sides. We're going to be talking about the Eagles offense against the Patriots defense. And look, everybody is saying that this is a huge game for Carson Wentz and even Wentz and Doug together. And hey, they're not wrong. They're also not wrong in saying that Wentz is going to have to be special down the stretch to take this team to the playoffs due to what he's getting in the passing game from his wide receivers who are now uh, banged up, incredibly banged up. So they're not wrong in that aspect either. And while it's probably unfair to say that Wentz is going to have to play at an elite level if all things are equal otherwise moving forward, that's kind of what it is. I mean, how harshly you want to judge him if he's not elite over the next seven games is their prerogative. But man, would it be big for Wentz if he can just avoid the trap of pressing too much because that's where we've seen him get into trouble. These games have a playoff game atmosphere to them. We're talking Patriots, Seahawks, and then later down the line, possibly Dallas, but we got to deal with this first. Seeing as we've never seen Wentz in the playoffs before, I think he can silence a lot of the critics by playing at a high level in these high-pressure situations. Whether it results in a win or not likely depends on a lot of different factors, as we've seen, as do all NFL games. But I, for one, am anxious to see how Wentz acquits himself and that starts with a depleted wide receiver core against a historically great defense to this point. It's not going to be easy. If it were, we wouldn't have as much to take away from it. But as I said, whether it's fair or not, Wentz has got to be pristine in this one. And if the defense can keep them in it, maybe the special teams can make some plays to any kind of degree just to be in this game. Or if you get a subpar game from Brady and their offense, then you've got a shot at winning this thing. And I'll be honest, I think Wentz needs this particular game for himself more than the team needs it. And if he pulls it off, 
that confidence he'll gain from it. It's a hugely important building block for him. And that confidence will trickle down to the rest of the team. And that's when you start to get a team that together begins to play above expectation and skill level. And you can start to gain some momentum towards something special that could be threatening in the playoffs, Ben. If this is a right, I'll put it to you this way. Like if we everything we knew about this game, every single player the same, every single coaching staff, the same, the bye weeks, the same, the context in the playoff race, the same. And you just took out Carson Wentz. Which quarterback in the league are you putting in this and being like, yeah, now. Which quarterback are you putting in there and saying he can play at the current level he's playing at? And I'm pretty confident that the Eagles are going to make a serious playoff run. Like, like, honestly, even going into this game, just this game alone, how many are there? One, two, well, and that's the thing Maybe? is like it, you 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 have the you have the argument of like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and that they have such exhilarating talent levels that they can just change the the entire landscape of an offense and of a game. But like if you just got like a guy running a West Coast offense, right? This isn't the exotic Baltimore right. offense that they have there. If you're just running a regular offense in this system, yeah. how many guys could do it with Alshon out? So it's Jordan Matthews, and with, so like when people say like you know we're gonna find a lot about Carson Wentz in this game. I think we're to find out zero about Carson Wentz in this game. I don't think like like if and 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 that's that's an exaggeration. We will if Carson yeah. if Carson keeps them competitive. If Carson has a very strong game against a really good passing yeah. attack. If like you know Knockwood, they win and and it's on the back of a heroic Carson performance. That's great news. But I'll tell you right now, like you know the, this 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 notion of like we're gonna see you know if the like what Carson can do for this team. I've already got a pretty good idea what Carson does for this team, and one game is not going to affect it any more than any other games do. And, and especially, like, yeah. it's the Super Bowl, and it's, again, you know, Foles, and it's in the, for the playoffs. I mean, sure. But, like, I'm, I don't, I'm, yeah, but I don't yeah, care I'm about I'm a lot more that. interested in what happens against, like, the Seahawks, division, right. uh, a conference record, you know, potentially fighting for wild card seeding. The Cowboys, if the division's yep. on the line. That's where, like, there's there's narrative here, but it's not as interesting to me as some of the other narratives. So I think that that, that gets gassed. The, I, I brought up on the defensive podcast that this has to be a Carson Wentz game. No, it has to be a Fletcher Cox game. Mm. For me, on the offensive side of the ball, this has got to be a, a, a Doug Peterson game. Because yeah. you're simply at a point where, from a, a pass catcher versus secondary player perspective, you probably don't have a, a one-on-one advantage anywhere. Which we talk like, you know, like Alshon's going to get this guy and Aguilar's going to get that guy. Who, which matchup do you like? None of them. Zero. Yeah. Just to throw in a stat there, Jonathan Jones, 81.9 quarterback rating when targeted. Jason McCourty, 62.0. Stefan Gilmore, 45.1. Their second round rookie, Joan Williams, can't even see the field because this group is playing so well. What we have here is we have a situation where if the Eagles are going to move the ball successfully down the field through the air. It's going to, and you brought this up earlier, so I'm glad we get to circle back to it now. It's going to be a ton of pre-snap manipulation. Uh-huh. It's going to be a ton of, of, of work with formations and with motions, such as to get into the pre-snap looks you want to have. And then it's going to be Carson taking what he's given. And like we've said, not pushing the ball, not pressuring, not attacking down the field unnecessarily. So a few things I think you've, you, you've seen. Number one, Patriots want to be too high. Not a lot of teams in the league want to be too high. They want to be too high. They like being too high, and they like uh, they, they get to play man underneath that on base downs, or they can go ahead and they can play zone out of that when they bring their six, you know, they'll, they'll bring linebackers, sugar them into the A-gaps, sugar them into the B-gaps, and then potentially drop them. Uh, they, they like to stay in too high out of that, and they feel like they can win with two gapping defensive linemen and still be strong against the box. Carson has run checks at the line. When he gets too high, he's going to use them, and he should. So, like, this is Carson Wentz game. Carson's going to check out of passes into runs, and he's going to be right. This is going to take away his passing attempts. If the Eagles win, put out a good offensive performance, it's going to be on the back of the running game. Well, Carson's the one who got him into the play. 
right? So again, there's like, you know, hidden work that we've got. So number one, pre-snap, you got too high, you have advantage in the box, take it. Again, going back to boxes, 12 personnel is a big deal for Philadelphia in this game, and particularly 12 nub sets. And you're like, oh, Ben, I've heard this before from you. Yeah, <laughs> but it's going to be a big deal in this game. Tell them why. I tweeted this out earlier t- uh, today, today being Friday. The Pats defense so far this season against 11 personnel allows a 35% success rate. That is bananas. That is the best in the league. Hmm. Against 12 personnel, they allow 49% success rate. That is about league average. So this is a, the best defense in the league against 11. You take a wide receiver out, you put a, a, a second tight end in. Now it's an average defense. Of course, it's not that easy, but let's use this framework to help us understand what's going to happen. No, uh, now, no team has seen less 12 personnel than the Patriots. So this is on a small sample size. They see it 12% of the time, but the Eagles use it 40% of the time. And they're one of the best teams in terms of success rate out of 12 personnel. So the Eagles are probably the heaviest 12 personnel team in the league. And they're facing a defense that has not seen it a lot and has been bad against it when they've seen it. Why are they bad against it? Because the Patriots want to leave nickel and dime packages on the field against 12 personnel very similar to how green bay wanted to do it they want to leave secondary players and when you have safeties like jason uh uh, patrick chung devin mccordy deron Harmon, yeah i want to keep those guys on the field when you have four corners like mccordy gilmore uh uh, jc jackson and jonathan jones yeah i would want to leave these guys out on the field right you watch whatever that uh frick 52's name is rob landon or something like that I would also want to get him off the field. This would be Mm. my, I would work on this. Yes. So (laughs) what we see now is against the, and we've talked about these nub sets before, two wide receivers out wide to one side of the formation, two tight ends tight to the formation on the other side. The Patriots check into this much like the Green Bay Packers did. They will leave a corner to that side. They will not have their corners travel with the slot receivers. They will not leave a safety. They will not leave a linebacker over. They will leave a corner over there. Jeff Stoutland. You know, you you go back and you watch some of his his breakdowns with Fran Duffy and the Eagles website, right? What does he say? He says, I want to take the guy who doesn't want it to be his job and make it his job. Corners do not want to tackle. We're going to make him tackle. And so the Eagles have the ability to adjust their reads and their calls up at the line of scrimmage with their offensive line with Carson and the running backs in the backfield to try to get into run plays that are going to leave that corner unblocked. They're going to leave that safety unblocked, that secondary player, that seventh man in the box. He's the fill player, and they expect Miles Sanders, Jay Ajayi, to be able to make that player miss. Against the, you, you go back and you watch the Cleveland game especially. Baltimore was, was 90% success rate in 12 personnel against the Patriots, but a lot of that has to do with Baltimore being bananas, right? You got Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews being everywhere, and you got, two, you got a back in the backfield, and you got Lamar Jackson's threat to run. Not all of it translates. They did a good job with horizontal stretch and a good job with stack sets. So two tight ends, one on top of the other, you know, uh, put a wide receiver in there, making a nasty bunch. Now we do play action zone one way. We get flow the opposite way. We go quick pass to the tight end, pick up seven yards. Eagles are going to use that. It's going to be there. But what really translates was the Cleveland looks, because in the Cleveland looks you saw the motion tight ends into the formation eagles love to do this get into get into nub sets get into h-back stack sets with a sniffer and then run nick chubb behind that and that's what the eagles are going to do with miles sanders and jj and that's where they're going to find success running the football so this is a, a a good running team from 12 against a average defense again it's 12 and a average run defense in general that is where you're going to win uh, uh, is in when you get your two tight ends on the field and you run the ball out of that set. It's what the Eagles have been best at this year. It's what the Patriots have been worst at this year. So if the Eagles take this game over on offense, it's going to be with those sets. Final point. What did Peterson want to get into in terms of personnel, in terms of play calling? I said the Patriots want to be a two-high team. When you spread them, one high, man, screw you. Because they Mm -hmm. can. 
which is mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator's dream. And they're and they're so ballsy about co- going cover zero because they can. They can do that. And they run a lot of man coverage, man, and they don't care. They will come after you, and they'll leave their guys out there because so far this year, they've been getting the job done. Right. This is this is your your dream as a defensive coordinator because, okay, they're spreading us out. They've got athletes all across the 53 and a third yard of the, the field. What are we going to do? How are we going to get seven guys into enough zones, covering enough space, recognizing routes to cover these guys? When you can play man, put four on four. What they'll do is they'll, they'll, it's called funneling the running back in the backfield. So they'll have two guys responsible for him in man coverage on opposite sides of the, the ball. And if what if the running back releases to the right, this guy's got him. Running back releases to the left, that guy's got him. Other guy gets the blitz. Sixth guy gets the blitz. Safety's chilling up top. It's Deron Harmon. He's freaking good. It's Patrick Chung. He's annoyingly good. He was supposed to be good when he came here. That doesn't matter. Whatever. And, they're, and, and, and the Eagles do not have the players to be winning in these one-on-one situations. From what I've seen from what the, the Patriots are going to do, is if you put tight ends in the slot, they'll rotate a safety down on top of him. Unless you get them in like 12 or 13 personnel and you motion a tight end out, they'll track him with a linebacker and the Eagles should attack that as well. But it, when you spread them out, they're going to go man coverage. You you know that you're going to have man beaters in place. You got to be able to just uncork it. You got to be able to, to, to throw man beating routes with great placement to bad receivers. This is hard to do. Mm. Now, he's got chemistry with... Matthews, which is nice. Arthago Whiteside is a good contested catch receiver, which is nice. But there's no reason to believe he's going to throw the ball to Matt Collins or Nelson Aguilar. He doesn't want to. Why should he? Mm. And that's why the receiving core is so terrifying because there's no the the best case you have for throwing the ball to a dude is a guy who was on the street last week in terms of your actual wide receivers. I think it's going to be a huge Dallas Goddard game because you're going to put your best cover tight end cover guy on on Zach Ertz. I think Goddard's going to outproduce Ertz. Period. I agree. But so this is what you're going to get when you spread things out. When you condense things, also great because now, you know, we have to run pattern matching, but the Patriots love to put seven, eight guys in the box standing up. This guy could come. That guy could come. You saw the cover zero blitzes against the Jets. You saw it a fair bit against the Browns as well. In that situation, just you work hot. Like, I think blitzing Carson, I don't think they're going to blitz Carson zero blitz the way they've done with other quarterbacks. It's a bad idea. Because yeah, Carson's I really do. good at making the first guy miss. The offensive line is really good communication ability to figure out where these blitzes are coming from. Carson knows where the last guy's going to be. And then you, there's no reason to give the Eagles open hot routes when you can just cover their guys one-on-one. So there you go. And they've tested a lot of bad quarterbacks with that cover zero with great results. I'm interested to see if they do go after him. I don't think they will. When we come back here on the Kiss and Solak show, we'll go over more of this Patriots defense that has just been crazy this year. We'll talk about more ways to beat them, and then we'll give our final predictions. That's coming up next here on the Kiss and Solak show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show, episode 145, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak, breaking down this Patriots defense, how it looks and stacks up against the Eagles offense. Ben, I mean, just just dialing back on the on this on this Patriots defense that is allowing, by the way, 
like 18% of the third down conversions against them to be converted, which is just bananas. I don't care who you're playing. The top-ranked DVOA defense in the league, they're allowing like 5.5 or 5.1 yards per pass, something bonkers like that. I mean, not only are they schemed up well, they have a bevy of defenders that are playing good ball. I mean, I already mentioned Jonathan Jones, Stephon Gilmore. You mentioned J.C. Jackson. He's playing well. Jason McCourty, they're all having excellent years. Kyle Van Noy is one of the most underrated defenders in the league. They're getting tremendous production out of third-round rookie Chase Winovich in a rotation role. The guy has only played 159 snaps, and he has four and a half sacks. That's less than Derek Barnett had in his rookie season by 265 snaps. Hell, forget comparing rookie seasons. Winovich has one more sack than Barnett has in this year on 151 less pass rushing snaps. Maybe that's a conversation for another day. Also on the defense, Devin McCourty, safety, studying coverage. Deron Harmon, Patrick Chung, you mentioned them playing really good ball. Jamie Collins could use some consistency, I think. He got a little picked on in the Baltimore game, but their offense is weird. But overall, good football player. Donta Hightower, this is a talented defense that has played together for a while. They know the system, they know their job, and they get the little things right. Nobody's trying to do too much. Nobody's trying to be a superhero. They execute and they go on their merry way. If you're looking on how to attack this defense, as we talked about already a little bit, you either have the most unique offense in the league with a dangerous running quarterback like Baltimore has, or maybe this is where there's some hope. you got to be from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And if my notes are correct, Peterson fits into one of those categories. Last year, Andy Reid and Matt Nagy hung 31 points on this Patriots team, albeit in losses. But this is the type of offense that they have struggled with before. With how much man coverage the Patriots play, like you said, I expect a ton of man beaters from Philly. And just to use an example that we've talked about before, you're talking about a ton of mesh sit wheel because you're getting those natural rubs, kind of route combinations of that nature. So you can attack them in that way. You can force them to try to cover you horizontally in the intermediate areas of the field as opposed to vertically. So you're talking deep overs. The Eagles do some of that in their under center play action game, especially to their tight ends. You can get them in the run game too. And one area where Baltimore had success was really playing with Jamie Collins and his key. So you're talking about creating flow one way or deceptive footwork like we talked about with Kelsey in the offensive line. Same side, one back power, things of that nature. Get them taking the cheese and exploit the gap. Make themselves add themselves to the wall. Speaking of gap runs, man coverage plays into what they do with their trap game too. Because if you motion Goddard in for that wham block on their wham concept, if they're in man, there is a player responsible for Goddard that has to travel with him. That's what that was the issue with Green Bay is that the the field defender for Green Bay was running full speed horizontally at the snap. Correct. He takes himself completely out of that third level alley, and the second level is being taken care of by the lineman, as you saw in Miles Sanders on that thirty yard run that he had. That in itself creates a third level hole while the second level is picked up. So, while only Baltimore and their unique offense has really cracked the Patriots' code, quote unquote, historically offenses like the Eagles, just from a schematic standpoint have found success because of the way that they attack, create, and exploit those spaces. Ben, anything else to add before we uh, before we get to some predictions here? Right, yeah. I want to talk about the, the the Baltimore game, and more specifically, uh, the, the, the or not more specifically, actually, opposite of that, more generally, uh, the New England Patriots run defense, right? Because something mm-hmm. that you've seen, like I said earlier, this this the one thing this defense is not top 10 DVOA in is rushing is defending the run right no in the last two games they've allowed over 150 yards rushing a piece against the ravens they allowed over 200 yards rushing this is a bit wild uh you know for for a defense that is conceived of as very very talented why are teams ripping off big runs against them well number one it goes back to the box count theory we've been discussing mm. for a while 
Mm-hmm. What is the goal of Schwartz's defense? It's to stop the run. How do you know? Because he's always plus one in the box. What's mm-hmm. the goal of the Bill Belichick defense? It's to stop the pass. How do you know? Because he's not always plus one in the box. Is it that easy? No. But as it like again, as a general guideline by which we can understand the theory here, Belichick is very comfortable being six against six, seven against seven in terms of the number of defenders he has and the number of blockers that you have. And as we talked about before, if you look at Jordan Howard, if you look at Miles Sanders, if you go back to last year with Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, doesn't matter the back. If you go to next gen stats, you'll see that the Eagles running backs are consistently in the bottom five for the number of eight plus man boxes they face right. because the Eagles box count and want to run against that. Right. This is this is this is, you know, the, the theory behind it. But when you go and you watch the Cleveland film, you see Nick Chubb rip off two huge runs. And one had a fumble. Yeah. Right. And then besides that. Right. Be a relatively regular runner, which is mm-hmm. still fine. And then against the Ravens, you have what is quite literally a cheat code in Lamar Jackson. And they're running triple option. Right. I mean, and, and they're, they're putting multiple backs in the backfield and they're running speed option. They're running arc read. And it's just it's a it's firstly, it's a delight to watch. But secondly, yeah. and more importantly, it's an absolute bear. It's a kick me in the face thing to have to deal with uh, when, when, when people are running against you. All right. This is from a coaching perspective. This is a nightmare because if everything goes right, you have Jawan Bentley one-on-one against Lamar Jackson in the hole. Like that's not even a win for you. And it all <laughs> went according to plan. Right. So uh-huh. what, what can we translate from the Ravens game? The main thing that, that, that you notice across the board is that there's so much pre-snap motion in terms of adding and subtracting players from the box that not only allows for for pre-snap identification of what the coverage is going to be but as we've talked about forces defenders who are going to be in the run fits to be moving at the snap this is valuable to generating leverage and getting the correct angles that you want on, on the offense eagles do this what can we take away from from the cleveland game i think from the cleveland game we can take away uh this the, they were very very effective working inside zone and, and especially working things up to the backside cutting back against flow and that's because i think you're dealing with a defensive line in in new england that really just isn't that good uh they're fine but john simon who may or may not play i think he was limited in friday practice danny shelton excuse me not john simon adam butler number 70 Adam Butler is number 70. Uh, Danny Shelton, number 71. Not as strong of players as perhaps they've historically been. Like, Shelton's always billed as a run stopper. I don't think he's been that impressive this year. Butler, I think, is a liability when they've got him out there as a three-tech to a, to a four-eye technique. Lawrence Guy's a good player. I think Jamie Collins is, and, and Calvin Illinois, like you said, uh, and Mental Line scrimmages, they're athletes. But from the interior, you can really work these defensive linemen, generate displacement, get it to the second level, and, and, and salt things away. But the one thing that the Eagles are lacking from these attacks that have done a really good job running the ball against the New England Patriots, we brought up Baltimore, we brought up Cleveland, did a really good job, Buffalo did a fantastic job. The Eagles do not incorporate Carson Wentz in the running game. You going to pound the table for it again? I'm very glad to because it's I'm been here for you. It's been a problem for the New England Patriots this year. Mm-hmm. It's been a problem. So do it. It's a problem for every defense. <laughs> and the thing is, when a defense has as few problems as the New England Patriots does. It's a bigger problem relatively, right? There's fewer things to exploit. This is the sort of thing. Let Carson keep it on five zone reads. That's all I'm asking for. Five carries for 24 yards. He's going to scramble anyway. It's not like we're protecting him. He runs the ball regardless. Let him do it in script. Threaten that M.A. line of scrimmage. Give your running back another half second. Uh, So I think that that, that's something that that I I would really like to see. Um, But yeah, I think if we like to, to distill all these thoughts, it's Sunday at 745, you and I are sitting down for the post-game podcast, and the Eagles have won the football game. How? 
I think you know, <laughs> right. I think it's 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 you know the the formula is always like all right, like you have to have a good rushing attack and a good defense, right? Eagles probably aren't going to have a great defense. So what's the substitute for a great defense? Such a good rushing attack that you win time of possession by a mile. So Yeah, you've been talking a lot about the rushing attack, and I'm thinking you have to kind of shorten the amount in which the Patriots can hurt you on offense. Listen, yeah. long drives, multiple conversions on third downs, multiple conversions on fourth downs, which extend drives, a, a hidden value of fourth down aggressiveness that we don't talk about that much is mm. time of possession, how it affects it. Mm. Finishing with seven and not three. It's been a bit of an issue for the Eagles. But finishing with seven and not three. Successful rushing attack. Multiple backs. So you're dividing up the, the, the flow a little bit. You know, it's not just like one guy grinding and pounding. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're getting different looks. Working the screen game as a, as a supplement to the running game. Fantastic. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, like, there's got to be a lucky turnover or two. There's probably got to yeah. be a good special teams play. People bring up the game the Eagles won against the Patriots two years ago. Eagles scored 21 points on defensive special teams, right? Like, right. That, you know, like if you can replicate gonna... it, cool, but you can't. <laughs> I was going to say they need at least one turnover and at least one meaningful, impactful special teams play, even if it's not, you know, returning something for a touchdown, but a block or something that puts them in good field position. Like I mentioned on the last show, they need something. They need some sort of, to use a baseball term, run support to help out this offense, to put them in positions to score and stay in this game because they're going to need it against this defense. It can't just all be Oh, Carson yeah. Wentz. It can't. Right. It, like, you know, like, they'll can't. lose that way. Right. Period. I, I can promise you, even if it's not in front of the like, entire team, I can promise you, like when Peterson meets with the coaches, he's like, listen, we got to be able to run the football consistently for four quarters to win this game. And yet, oh. if they lose, you can be like, well, where was Carson? It's not even what they're <laughs> trying to, to do. Right. And, okay. You say, all right, that's an indictment on Carson. I really don't think it is. I really think it's, it's they're facing the best pass defense in the league which is not as good at defending the run. They've been better running the ball than throwing the ball this year. They've got multiple injuries at wide receiver that they're dealing with. Number wide receiver one and two are out for this game. They've got guys off the street playing. They can't play the rookie for whatever godforsaken reason. No, Ben, Carson has played so poorly that they have immediately lost faith in the contract they just gave yeah, him. Yeah, they, now on. they've got to protect him. So that's that's <laughs> like, so obviously like all, all rows come back to Carson. But, you know, if you and I are sitting there doing that postgame pod, it's, Ran the ball, won the time of possession battle, did not turn the ball over and probably ended up, you know, plus minus in, in, in turnovers or whatever it is. And can you believe Rasul Douglas finally picked up a ball and took it to the end zone on a, on a special teams play? Right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like, <laughs> shockingly. I, I'm hoping so, at least one of these comes true so we can look back on it. <laughs> right. And then and then defensively, it's, it's, you know, withstand the big play as best as you can. You know, the formula has always been Ben, but don't break, give up three, but not seven. So then that's that's a, to me, it's like a 17-13 game, right? It's not, it's going to be in the under. It's not going to be by a ton. It's not the way, like, you know, like if you're just praying for a, a world beating Carson Wentz performance against the, the villainous Patriots to, you know, put the stamp on the Super Bowl victory and back to back wins over Belichick, I just don't think it's coming. If they win it, it's ugly. And it's a huge win. It's a huge win for them. It's a win they should not have. It helps them tremendously in the NFC East race. Um, but it's not likely. And if they do, it's probably not in the big schmexy headline grabbing way that we'd like for it to be. I agree, because number number two, if they do slow down their turbo offense, it's because, you know, they created a negative play or an incompletion that stops the Patriots from doing that. That slows the game down as well. And then on offense, if you're running well and you're putting together those long drives, that will slow the game down. And maybe they need another 13 play, 16 play, fourth quarter drive for for a score to kind of put the game away but that's what this game is going to have to be the eagles offensive passing attack is not going to be crazy explosive unless this is the you know jump ball jgr thago whiteside breakout game which hey 
I would love to be surprised by a JHL breakout game. Like, I think it'll be fine. Well, here's the thing. Here's the th- I'll, I'll be very honest with you, Mike. I have some deep yeah. cuts, right, in terms of like, hey, I think Alex Ellis is going to be a big part of this roster in three years. You know what I mean? Like, I like you know, <laughs> Danelle Pumphrey, it's all the hamstrings. It's nothing to do with mm. anything else, right? Like, I have some 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 takes with the capital a k e and s right yeah as we joked the best game to get your you know rookie who can't see the field right is <laughs> this game you know yeah, whatever but at historic the, defense blah 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 yeah right but at the same time I, I don't want to say this out loud on the internet oh 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 nobody is going to be able to separate if we agree on this premise, Jordan Matthews uh-huh. isn't going to separate, Nelson Aguilar's not going to separate, Matt Collins, JJ, I think, Whiteside. Who is the Who best when they the can't separate? It that would should be, be him. This is like, like the, the knock on him. I mean, him, the way you put that, that like, makes a ton of sense. The knock on him coming out was he's not going to be can't a great separate. separation player at the next level. But But even if he's not, he's a really uniquely good player in contested situations. Yeah, I mean, like, he's set records for his contested catch rate. More so than, like, he's better than Michael Thomas coming out in that area. That's a skill that, for me, is still going to translate him. Get the one drop out of your mind, and he needs to get that drop out of his mind, too, which the coaching staff has not helped him with. But this is still... A guy drops a potential game winner (laughs) in week four as a rookie, and then you just don't throw him the ball anymore. Yeah. How does this make any sense? They come back to Aguilar all the time when he has a drop. I want to go right back to him. You're going to let the rookie go to bed every night, put his head down, and think about that drop for Telling months. Telling the rookie, like, hey, you're, months. you're just you're, – you're never, you're never going to be good <laughs> at all. And your career is already over, and you failed. And wow, what a waste of a pick that we put on you. Uh, there is a bad. reason right. that Doug and Grow were very animated, very involved – with the wide receivers I love in it. practice. Dude, uh, the Eagles beats are so good. Can we talk about this? Right? <laughs> yeah. You've got multiple beats being like, hey, uh, we've been slowly tracking over the past few years the vocality and presence of Eagles <laughs> head coaches and coordinators uh, during positional drills. And we're here to tell yeah. you we've set a new spike. I just love like the the intensity and like the, 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 the diligence. I really do. Like I'm not kidding. Like I think it's awesome. Does it mean no, anything? Probably not. It means Carson watches on the hot seat. I mean, right. I don't know if I've been in a professional environment where I've had to do the job of one of my supervisors. Let me tell you what happens to those supervisors eventually, Ben. Wow, it's rough. Yeah, I like. I still, that's all I have to say. About I'm that. I'm I'm all worked up again just looking at the uh, the wide receiver snap counts. I can't so, even comprehend. Nelson has not had a week under seventy five percent. I mean, Hollins has been over forty percent all year i've been saying this this entire bye week process i'll freak out about jay jaw if they don't get him involved this week i think they get him involved this week with more snaps whether that leads to more production or not we'll see but i mean chris godwin had eight catches for 83 yards in his first game eight games as a pro i think the bucks aren't regretting that selection so we'll see what happens with jay jaw sometimes these things take time my super deep cut prediction is like i think a wide side four targets three catches 43 yards and a touchdown and then I dance on a thousand graves. Four fifty-two, one touchdown. If if not, like I just like I I, I want to like throttle somebody. I want to grab them by their shirt front and be like, "What will it take to get him on the field?" But anyway, uh, no, it's it's gonna be seventeen total targets between Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and that's how it's gonna go. I, I really do think it's how the Goddard go? breakout game, Ben. Yeah. 
Uh, what's your final score prediction? Are you are you going to take the leap of faith or are you going to have more of a show me type stance? I don't think the Eagles win this game. I don't me think either. I don't think it's reasonable to expect the Eagles to win this game unless Correct. they come out of the bye and just play completely differently than they have, which like if there's a time to do it, I guess it's after a bye week. Right. But I, I, how can you logically without emotion look at this matchup and what's going on with the Eagles and say other than just this is a take right. and a hope and say that the Eagles are going to win? I absolutely think, yeah, like this is home field against a team you played in the Super Bowl with NFC East playoffs. Like there's absolutely like if the Eagles rise up and play a great game, I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I won't be like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. No, I just don't think that that's going to happen so we thought the patriots were over on 24 points both yeah. of us did the the line has the over under has shifted the line has not so three and a half favorites for the patriots the line is at 45 that means eagles at 21 do you think they hit the over and if you do what's the final score i think this is like 30 to 16 you know what oh, i mean brother yeah you're hurt yeah you're hurting me because i'm thinking like 27 14 yeah i think this is and, and i i don't think it's i don't think it's yeah. 13 points close <laughs> like it i don't think it ever feels close right. in the second half well this is this is and this is the thing is like you know we we talked about the construction under which the eagles won well you cannot play under that construction if it's 10 nothing with two minutes left in the first and you're losing right like you if you're gonna win under the formula of time of possession and long extended drives you can't fall down early and here's the problem. The Eagles have had issues with slow starts. Have they? Now add in a receiving core, two guys that Wentz has barely ever played with this season and Jay Jaw, Jordan Matthews, and whatnot, and you and you take out Jordan Howard, this team is going to have, in my opinion, a bumpy start. Now I think maybe as the game progresses, they settle in. Can the defense keep them in that that long to where they can execute their game plan? I don't think so. So that's where I'm at. 30 to 16. Uh, and then we all freak out for a week. And then they beat the Seahawks and everybody's right back. Yeah. That Seahawks, the ramp up for the Seahawks game is just like, it's going to be two of the most dramatic fan bases I know. in like huge game situation. Ah, it's going to be a blast. I'm very excited. So that's our prediction for this game. Sorry if we're, uh, we're bumming you out. Ha- keep the faith. If you want to say the Eagles are going to win, yeah. good on you, man. I'm sure, listen, by 4.05 p.m. on Sunday, I'm going to be like, yeah, listen, Eagles are winning this football game. Yeah, I'm still going to be emotionally invested in this game and living and dying by every play. So it's, it's definitely not that. But Ben, sign off. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. I don't have Augustus here to distract you today. Sad. He's still napping. Well, thank you, as always, for listening to the Kist and Solak Sans Augustus show here on BGN Radio. Listen. It's never fun to be playing the Patriots, and it's never a good feeling. Um, but maybe it'll be a good feeling on Sunday after the game. We hope you watch and enjoy, and of course, regardless of the result, tune in to the post-game podcast here on the feed. If you want to catch all the episodes, post-game, pre-game, and the two preview shows you just listened to, Eagles offense, Patri- Patriots defense, Patriots offense, Eagles defense, go ahead and rate, review, and of course, subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast so you never miss a show. He's with Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Home stretch now, fellas. Thank you so much. We will catch you on Sunday. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.